podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. The Two-Footed Podcast is brought to you by EPLindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider. A virtual privacy network allows you to go online, change your location, access things you're geo-blocked from while keeping your data safe. So, as an example, if you are a UK expat and want access to BBC iPlayer to watch Match of the Day or ITV Hub or all four, but you get that message that says this content is not available in your location, a Liberty Shield VPN gets you around that block allows you to watch whatever you want on those services while also keeping your data safe. And it goes further than that. It allows you to open up Netflix's entire library by just changing your IP address. Liberty Shield is the number one rated VPN provider on Trustpilot with five-star ratings across the board. So go to libertyshield.com right now, use the code EPL25, and get either the hardware package or the software package. The hardware package is a router that you plug into your existing router. And any item you want to change the IP address on, be it your phone or your television, you connect that to the new Liberty Shield router. All other items can remain connected to your existing router. There's also a software package, which is instantly downloadable to your device, and you can get using straight away. Again, libertyshield.com, EPL25 for 25% off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homework company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk and do check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops, which you'll find on Etsy. Use the codes EPL10 or RED10 for 10% off at checkout. And lastly, do remember to check out a tad predictable hosted by Tadiwa. That podcast is on this feed before every Premier League match week. And then the EPL Roundtable hosted by Kevin DeVries on its own EPL Roundtable feed. So just search EPL Roundtable in your podcast device. And that's out after every match week. Now, on with the show. Good boys and girls, two footed podcast. Today is Thursday, the 26th, no, the 27th of July. Hope you're all well. I am outstanding. It is 12.29 and approximately 14 minutes ago, one of the great tweets in the history of Twitter came to life. A beautiful, beautiful moment. Long overdue. Long overdue. Right. Today is Thursday. That means it is questions day. So let's get into them. Uh, Cal Dunnington, you mentioned on a recent pod that Arsenal fell apart once Vieira left. Putting putting yourself in the shoes of Wenger, 
how would you have handled his departure? Would there be a specific player you would look to replace him with? Or would you look to change the formation? So I think that the obvious replacement at the time was prob- probably Mohamedou Diara of Lyon. So this is the summer of 05. Diara moved to Real Madrid in the summer of 06. I believe they paid around 20, 22 million pounds. 20 to 22 million pounds for him. I don't think that's outside the realms of what Arsenal could have afforded. Could have, could have afforded. Um, I think he is a player that the Gunners could have gone and gotten, brought into the club. At the time, he would have been 24. Now, when he went to Real, he was really good, and then his knee went. You don't know if that would have happened at Arsenal. There's no way to tell. But I think he would have been the ideal like-for-like replacement. Wasn't wasn't Vieira level, but was an outstanding player. The other thing he could have tried to do was buy Michael Essien. Now, he obviously went to Chelsea. You probably couldn't have outbid Chelsea. But you knew Vieira was going during the season. Everybody knew Vieira was away at the end of the year. So maybe you could have got in earlier on that deal. That deal, Essie and Chelsea also dragged on for quite a long time. It didn't get done until the 14th of August. So maybe if you'd moved early in the summer and paid the asking price, which is what Chelsea eventually did, you could have gotten that deal done. Essie and with... Gilberto Silva would have been incredible. Diara with Gilberto Silva, I think, would have been great. Obviously, there is the Sesk factor here, where you clearly wanted to get Sesk into the team. But I do think you probably could have changed the shape a little bit. Maybe played it as a three, with Gilberto sitting, Sesk kind of buzzing around doing Sesk things, and then give Diara the license to play box-to-box and be more of a roaming destroyer. And then in attack, you go Henri through the middle, Perez off the left, and then maybe you need to find a better fit on the right wing than than Freddie Lundberg. Now, that could have been Jose Antonio Reyes. He might have fit really well into that type of front three inverted off the right-hand side, cutting in onto his left foot. So that's probably where I would have gone. I probably would have gone for Diara. I would have kicked the tyres on SEN, but I probably would have gone for Diara because I think SEN was probably always going to end up at Chelsea. But Diara stayed another year. And I just can't imagine Arsenal couldn't have gotten him at that time. I had no idea. I knew he played for Fulham. He was he was finished by that point. He was pretty much when he went back when he went to Monaco his knees had just given up on him. He had two great seasons at Real and his knees went. 
And he spent another couple of years there, went to Monaco for a year, couldn't shake off the injuries, went to Fulham and was washed, but stayed there for three years. I didn't know he actually trained with Brentford at one point in the 16-17 season. He'd been out of the game for a couple of years. But yeah, he he's the one I would have gone for. He's the one I would have gone for. Uh, moving on. Uh, Chris Colby, who? what would be your top 10 fullbacks in world football? Yes, this was based on the Moronic video where Davies was in- included and would have booted Trent if he was included. Um, let me get a piece of paper here to write this down. So, I mean, Trent is the best right back in the world and, and any claims to the contrary are just nonsensical. So we're going to put Trent... We're going to put Hakimi. We're going to put Reese James. I mean, I saw stupid names included in that video. Like, Jesus Lord, wept. Um, They're the top three right backs for me. Trent, Hakimi, and James. On the other side, Alfonso Davies has to be in. I really like Nuno Mendes, but I don't know if I'd put him top 10 yet. Teo Hernandez is definitely in. I very much like Balde at at, um, Barcelona. I think he's really special. Um, They'd be my top five in... In order, I, I go Trent. I go Trent Davies, Hakimi, James, Teo, Ateo. I think, I think that will be my top five in order. One, two, three, four, five. Uh, number six. Ferlin Mendy, when he's fit and on form, is really good. The issue is he's inconsistent, and that's problematic at times. Andy Robertson has dropped off, but I still would say he's definitely one of the top five left-backs in world football. So I think I'm going to put Robertson in. Now, he's going to be kind of 8, 9, 10 on this list, but I think he has to be in. In terms of other right-backs that I really like, it's a pretty short list. It really is. There's there's a lot of good right-backs out there, but not a lot of great ones. I did like the inclusion of Jules Koundé, and I do think he's a better right-back than centre-back, so I'm going to put him in as well. Um, And I think he's probably going to be number six on my list. Um. Not Pavard. Don't like him. Not a big fan of the Dortmund fullbacks on either side, to be honest. Guerrero's good, but he's obviously gone to Bayern now to be a backup, which is a strange career move. I think I will put Balde in, but I think I'll put him at 10 
because he's so young. Um, so I need. I'm, I'm short too. I don't think Ben White is a top ten fullback. Do you know what? I'll, I'll put Nathan Aki in because I think he is excellent, and I'm going to put him at seven. I'll put Robertson at eight. Balde at 10. So I'm looking for number nine. I'd like it ideally to be a right back now because I've got five left backs. So I would ideally like another right back here. Um, I'm not a big fan of Denzel Dumfries, but I do very much like Jeremy Frimpong. So you know what? I'll take him. I'll take him as a right back. Uh, he's number nine. So I've got Trent, Davies, Hakimi, James, Teo Hernandez, Kunde, Aki, Robertson, Frimpong, and Baldy. I think I'm pretty happy with that. Now, I will say, if Julian Timber is going to be Arsenal's right back, he will be on this list because I do very much like Timber as a right back. I don't like him as a centre back. He's too little. But he's he's a very good right back. But it remains to be what he's going to be. He played left back for them uh, last night. Um, right. If you have the sorry, you have the ability to round out into Miami to make it a nostalgic eleven. Wages are not a concern since MLS has pretty loose rules. However, the league won't pay won't want to pay crazy fees. Uh, We'll assume that there is a quality bench. So this could be a 50 to 60 minute team. There could be players that have worked at Messi for clubs or national teams or players who've never teamed up together, but you would enjoy seeing them play. Players have to be currently playing or recently retired. Okay. So we'll just... They've signed Busquets, so we'll put him at the six. They've got Alba at left back. Reports are that Iniesta's coming in, so we're going to put him on the left of the midfield three. We'll put Messi behind a front two. And I think that will probably be our starting point. Let me just pull up their squad so I know what I'm working with. And there it is. They only have 10 American players in their entire squad. Young Harvey Neville, the son of Phil Neville. Uh, is in their squad. He's a Republic of Ireland under-19 international, uh, though he's now 21. Um, They do have Yusuf Martinez, who's excellent. So I'm inclined to keep him. No, do you know what? You said nostalgia. We'll have him as one of the options off the bench. Um, I'm going to put Messi. I'm going to put. I'm bringing in Suarez, and I'm bringing in Cavani. Now, 
Giovanni obviously hasn't played with Messi, but he has played with Suarez for the national team. And it's a partnership that we know works very, very well. So I think it makes all the sense to do that. So we need one more in midfield. I think Arturo Vidal is who makes sense for me here. Currently playing in Brazil. Decent for Flamengo last season. Ivan Rakitic would be the other that could make some sense because obviously these are players that played with Messi. I think I'll go with Vidal. I think I'll go with Vidal. Um, I suppose you said recently retired. PK is not all that long retired, so it makes sense to bring him in. So now we've got Pique and Alba as part of the defence. Do we go... No, we can't. Do we put Ramos at right back? Just the one Real Madrid player among loads of ex-Barca players. Ramos at right back, I did like. Ramos at centre-back wasn't for me, but at right back, I did like him. Um... Who else could we look at? So go Ramos, go Pepe. Pepe and Messi didn't work together, but they did have a close relationship for a number of years where Pepe would kick him up in the air. Yeah, I I quite like that. I'm going to go Ramos at right back. And I'm going to go Pepe at centre back. And then the goalkeeper's tough. I mean, De Gea's, does De Gea, would De Gea be okay? He's free. He's played with a bunch of these players for Spain. I'll go with, I'll go with De Gea. We're playing, I don't know how this thing, yeah, Pepe's still, yeah, we'll go with De Gea. We'll just go with De Gea, it'll be fine. Oh, we can't go with De Gea, we can't go with De Gea. Guy can't play out from the back with his feet. And you know what we'll do? We'll go with Hugo Lloris. Because at least he can pass out from the back. So we'll go Lloris in goal. Ramos, he's a World Cup winner as well. Ramos, Pepe, Pique, Alba, Vidal, Busquets, Iniesta, Messi behind Cavani and Suarez. That's what we'll go with. Uh, moving right along, uh, Isaac Gilding. In shocking news, the United States of America has somehow bought the Premier League and all 20 teams need to move across the pond immediately. The people behind this shady deal have singled out one Dave Hendrick to reassign each team to a location in the US based on where he thinks the most similar fit their UK homes are. 
Newcastle would need to be somewhere cold and working class, for example, but it can be based on any and all factors. Multiple clubs can go to one city like we have in London. It's Other than that, it's dealer's choice. Right. Oh, I like this. This man always has the best questions. Uh, let's get up our Premier League team. Our Premier League teams for this coming season. And let's get ourselves a nice big map of America on the other screen. Uh, USA map. Right. Oh, I like this. I do like this. So, we'll just go alphabetically. So, Arsenal. Big city, cultured, not always the most glamorous. So I would rule out LA. Can be a little bit soft, so I'd rule out New York. I think we're going to put Arsenal in Dallas. You haven't told me I can't put them in places where there are already teams. So I'm going to put them in Dallas. Little bit of delusion about their fan base, similar to the Dallas fan base with the Cowboys, because every year I see Cowboys fans saying that they're winning the Super Bowl and they're never going to get close, not with Dak Prescott, not with Jerry Jones as owner and GM and interfering in everything anymore. So that's fine. Aston Villa. So Birmingham is working class, kind of, you know, middle of the country, second city feel. I think we're going to put Aston Villa in Chicago. Bournemouth. Small. Good weather. Little bit of a little bit of a, a, a feel of class about the club. I don't know what it is. It's it's their fans feel like they might have a little bit more money, say, than certain fans of other clubs. So I think we're probably gonna put them in We'll put them in Sacramento. We'll put them in Sacramento. Uh, Brighton. Now, Brighton, I think, have to go to San Francisco. They have to go to Silicon Valley. Data-driven, techie. And I think Brentford have to go to the same place. So I'm going to put Brighton and Brentford in San Francisco. Burnley. I mean, Billings, Montana? It it would seem to make a bit of sense to me. Put them in Billings, Montana. Um, Boise, Idaho, maybe? You know? 
grafters, not a whole lot of excitement. I think we'll go. Do you know what? We'll go Des Moines, Iowa. We'll go to Moines, Iowa. Uh, Chelsea. Now, they're LA as it gets. So, LA they go. Crystal Palace. Crystal Palace, to me, I think they've got to be close to New York, but not in New York. So... Let's put them... Hmm... Let's put them in Trenton. Let's put them in Trenton, New Jersey. Everton. Once great, now pretty decrepit. Everton's new home is Detroit. Fulham. Not quite enough money to be uber fancy. We'll put them in Anaheim. Liverpool. I mean, I think it's got to be New York. I really do. I think it's got to be New York. The city that other places love to hate. I think Liverpool have to go to New York. Luton. Hmm. Luton's a strange place. I'm going to say Syracuse, New York. Upstate New York. Because people would say, I'm flying into, to, I'm going to London, I'm flying into Luton. You're not flying into London. Miles from London. So we're going to go, you know, near the big city. Maybe not. Do you know what? We're not going to put them in. We're going to put them in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Indianapolis can be their big city. Fort Wayne is where they're going. Manchester City. Well, they're a little bit fake, aren't they? So... Miami would seem to fit them really well. Uh, Manchester United. Lots of glitz and glamour. But a bit of a... A bit of a freak show at times. So I think Las Vegas is probably the place for them. Newcastle, it's got to be cold, it's got to be working class. I'm thinking Milwaukee for Newcastle. Nottingham Forest, memories of greatness, down to earth people, 
I'm thinking Cincinnati. The big red machine were dominant back in the 70s. Forest were dominant, well, not dominant, but they won European Cups in the 70s and eight, or early 80s. We're going to put them in Cincinnati. Um, <clears throat> Sheffield United. Cleveland. Cleveland. My, mines, wasn't there? I think I think I'm right in saying there was mines in Cleveland or around Cleveland. Yeah, we'll just put them in Cleveland and we'll leave them there. I suppose they should probably go to Pittsburgh, actually, because the Steelers... I suppose they should go to Pittsburgh. You know what? We'll put them in Pittsburgh. We'll put them in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Um, Tottenham. It has to be somewhere kind of... I'm going to put them in Phoenix. I'm going to put them in Phoenix. They're glamorous, but there's no success. They do flashy things, but there's no success. We're going to put them in Phoenix. Uh, West Ham. West Ham have to be Boston. Have to be. No one likes us. We don't care. Overly aggressive. It's got to be Boston. And Wolves. Um... Middle of the country, not necessarily all that glamorous. Areas you probably don't want to go into. Now, American geography is stupid. Stupid. Right? So, this place is not middle of the country. This place is in the east. However... Americans consider this kind of the beginning of the West. We're going to put them in St. Louis, which is very much to the east of Central. Because if we look at this map, the middle of the country would basically be the dividing line between the Dakotas and Minnesota, Nebraska and Iowa, the state of Kansas, and Missouri with half or well not half but say a third of the state of Kansas actually being east of middle a third of Oklahoma is east of middle and about a quarter of Texas including Houston is east of middle but Americans think this is the west it's not how it works you call Chicago the Midwest it's very much east it's the Mideast. That's what it is. It's the Mideast. Chicago is in the Mideast of America. That's how geography works. But yeah, we're going to put wolves in St. Louis. So there you go. <laughs> there you go. Some of the teams got shot. I didn't put anybody in Seattle. Do you know what? We'll take Brentford and we'll stick them in Seattle. 
and we leave Brighton in San Francisco. And we're going to put Bournemouth in Portland rather than in Sacramento. Because nobody wants to go to Sacramento. That's what I always hear. No one wants to go to Sacramento. It's boring there. We're going to put put Bournemouth in Portland. The rest, I'm happy with. Uh, moving on. Um, AMK2889. If Liverpool did accept the first Real Madrid offer for Owen, that's Samuel Etu in exchange for Michael Owen, where does Etu take the club? Uh, well, I think Liverpool win the European Cup that year because they won it with Gibral Cisse and Etu would have been a significant upgrade on him. Uh, do him and Gerrard form a partnership similar to what he did with Torres? I think so. I think so. My question would be, I don't know how long Etu would have stayed because I don't think he would have particularly enjoyed life in England all that much. He didn't seem to love it when he came. Maybe it was much later in his career, but I think he would have agitated for a move after probably two years. But Liverpool would have gotten a huge fee, and maybe that money from Etu might have led them to a situation where Benitez had enough money to get Torres and maybe one or two other players in the wide areas. So you could have had Gerrard behind Torres and proper wingers and not, you know, your Dirk Touts, your Jermaine Pennants, your Yossi Benny-Younes, your Albert Rieras. They were all good players, but they were squad players. He had great central midfielders, great 10, great nine. Never had the wingers or fullbacks, really. Never had the wingers or fullbacks. And maybe... Just maybe that would have led to the right amount of of money coming in so that he could have gotten those players. Uh, Matt JT, if you had to bet as of today, what would Liverpool's starting lineup be in the first Premier League game, first Europa League game and first Cup game? So Europa League and Cup teams should be the same. Uh, so Kelleher and Goal. A back three of, well, a back four, I suppose. Uh, This is just first game. So we'll say Besetich playing as the hybrid right back. Gomez, well, Matip Gomez and Robertson. No, Matip Gomez and Simicus. Sorry, because we haven't signed a centre-back yet. So Matip Gomez and Simicus. Midfield wouldn't be great. It'd be Harvey, Thiago, and Curtis Jones. Now, when it inverts, when when Besetic inverts, then you get Besetic and Thiago as a two, which I'm, I'm happier with. Harvey and Curtis behind, let's say, Ben Doak. Darwin Nunes and Diogo Jota. So that's my team for the Europa League as of right now. In the Premier League, I'm going Allison, Trent, Ibu, Virgil, Robertson.
Dominic, Alexis, and I think Curtis Jones is the one that has to pull double duty. If no other signings came in, I think he's the one that would pull double duty. And then up front, it would be Salah, Gakpo, and Diaz. Now, the Romeo Lavia deal I expect to get done um, by this weekend. So if he comes in, then Jones drops into just it isn't in the first team. Uh, I do expect that there'll be one more midfielder after that. Although, I, I, to be fair, as things stand, Fabinho is still a Liverpool player. So Fab would be in that starting eleven as things currently stand, but he will go uh, and Lavia will come in and one more, I think, will come in after that, which will just straighten things out. And, and I think a centre-back follows. But yeah, as things stand, that's what I would go with. Um, we have a couple more. Do have a couple more. So um, bear with me till I find them. Right, so I've got questions here. Um, Kyle Campbell. <clears throat> Can you pick your all-time 11 for Europe that you've seen play without Italians and Germans and your all-time 11 for South America without Brazilians and Argentines? Which team would hypothetically win the match? Without even doing this, I'm going to tell you now, that almost certainly the Europeans would win. But we'll do it. Let's have a look. Um, Let's start with South America. So no Argentines, no Brazilians. So Suarez is going to be the goalkeeper. The goalkeeper. Suarez is going to be up front. And Chilever will be in goal. He was actually a really good goalkeeper. Um, Diego Godin. This could be heavily Uruguay influenced. Um, midfield, Francesca Lee is going to be in. He'd be in regardless, I think. We'll bring in Valderrama. Defensive midfield, Vidal, I think, is the best. But obviously, most of his career he played. In- in different roles, but early Vidal at Leverkusen was a really good defensive midfielder. I'm going to play Alexis Sanchez on one wing. And I'm going to put Alvaro Rocoba in. Now, he didn't have the career he should have had, but he was so much fun to watch. So we'll put him at right Side So we've got Rocoba, Suarez, and Sanchez up front, Francesca Lee, Vidal, and Valderrama in midfield. Godin. I want to put Andreas Escobar in. I'm going to put Escobar in. I don't think people fully understand how good that fellow was uh, before he was murdered. Um, I'm going to play 
Jose Jimenez is a right back in a bit of a cheat, but I, I don't care. <laughs> I need a left back. I need a left back. Do you know what? I'm just going to put Purvis Estupin in. Because he is actually really, really good. So I go Chilever and goal. Jimenez, Escobar, Godin, Estupin on, Francesco, Levidal, Valderrama, Rakoba and Suarez. I'm probably missing somebody obvious, but that's what I've got. Um, for Europe, then, we're going to start with the obvious ones. We're going to have Zidane. We're going to have Rijkaard. Ooh, am I going to have Rijkaard? Because I can have Busquets. So, no, I'm going to have Busquets. I'm going to have Iniesta. I'm going to have Gerard. So that's my diamond midfield. Busquets, Gerard, Iniesta, Zidane. Up front, I'm going to have Van Basten. And Van Basten and... This is tough because there's a bunch of players I want. I'm tempted just to put Rude Hullet because the Van Basten Hullet pairing was so good. So I'll go with him. Uh, at the back, can't have any. Can't have Italians or Germans. So can't have Jurgen Kohler, can't have Baresi, can't have Maldini. So I'm going to go Dennis Irwin at left back. Do you know what? Busquets isn't getting in. Roy Keane is coming in at the base of midfield. I'm going to put McGrath there. Next to McGrath, I'm going to go with... Turam will be my right back. My other centre-back... With McGrath, I'm going to go Van Dyke. And my goalkeeper, I'm not as big a fan of Iker Casillas as others are. Buffon is out, Neuer is out. Olivia Ka- Oliver Kahn is out. Can't think of an English keeper that I would really want. Seaman is the best English keeper I want. I don't. I. I. I've seen. I don't want him. Could go with Schmeichel, obviously. I've made a man. I haven't put Loudrup in. Sorry, Rude. You're out. We're putting Loudrup in. We're going to play one up front. 
Lähetrop. We're going to play a 4-1-4-1 with Gerard on the right, Laudrup on the left, Zidane and Niest in the middle, Keane behind them, Van Basten in front of them, Turam, Van Dijk, McGrath, Irwin. Do I go Schmeichel or do I go Padacek? I go Schmeichel. So Schmeichel, Turam, Van Dijk, McGrath, Irwin, Keane, three Irish in, no bias here at all. Uh, Gerhardt, Zidane, Iniesta, the Laudrup and Van Basten. So there you go. And the European team, I think, would win that game. But it'll be fun. It'll be fun. Um, if you have time, could you do a similar nostalgia series on the Syria, on Syria? Could I? I... I could do some nostalgia pods on Syria, but I don't know if I could go season by season. I think I could go team by team. So I might like, I might pick six or seven Italian clubs and do some nostalgia stuff on them. If that's, if that would be fun, I could do the same then for say Real, Barca, Atleti, Valencia, Depor. Not so much Sevilla and Betis, I don't think. Off the top of my head, I don't think I could do any more than that, but I could definitely do them. Um, I could definitely do one for Bayern and one for Dortmund. And I could do one for Marseille. And Monaco, not so much PSG. I could do one for Leon for certain. So I could, I could definitely do some of them. Could definitely do some of them, and maybe I might drop them in every so often over the course of the season. Because, like, when I do this show, right Monday, I know what I'm doing. I'm talking about the games at the weekend. Thursday, we do questions. And Friday, we preview the games that are coming up. So Tuesday and Wednesday tend to be a little bit almost filler, like trying to come up with content, trying to come up with something to talk about. So maybe I could make one of them a nostalgia day through the season and do one club from around Europe now, can I come up with that many? I I could certainly do some European, some European championships, maybe. 92, 96, 2000, the World Cups from 90, 94, 98 and 02. Maybe even up to 06 for the World Cup, maybe up to 04 for the Euros. So yeah, I could probably do a nostalgia day through the season. I think that's that's maybe what I will do then. Now, if there's games taking place, obviously we can work around them. But yeah, I might I might do that. I might actually start committing a bit more to the nostalgia stuff. So I do really enjoy it, and it's more fun. It really is more fun because when you're looking back on stuff and it's kind of triggering old memories and that it it is a bit more fun. So. Like yesterday, when we talked about 
the 0506 season and the FA Cup final and that Gerard goal and that Gerard performance. And it had me thinking a lot about Gerard then afterwards and everything he did when he was Liverpool's best player and he was their captain. And you compare that with the hype around absolute mediocrity going out the door at the moment. And it's just, it's such a shame that Twitter wasn't around for Gerard's best years. From 01 to 09, Stephen Gerrard was an absolute force of nature. Like, just a phenomenally good footballer who could do everything. But Twitter, football Twitter didn't really become a thing until about 2010. And he was injured and he wasn't quite the same and his legs started to go. And he had spells in him when he was really good. Then he had spells where he just wasn't good at all. And there's a whole generation of Liverpool fans who only remember those last four seasons. And he was just a shell of himself. He's an absolute shell of himself in comparison to what he'd been before that. They didn't get to see the greatness of him. And they don't remember him game after game, loading the team up on his back and carrying them. And then you hear garbage that vastly inferior captains are better captains than him. But when we do the nostalgia stuff, it does hugely allow us to kind of sink back into that and think about those players. So, yeah. I think that's what I'll try and do. I'll try and do a nostalgia show every week through the season. I won't be able to do season by season for the other leagues. I don't think. There's maybe one or two. Maybe one or two. But, like, the the other problem is English games have been so much easier for me to get my hands on over the years. So, like, I've got random... I've got... On my computer, I've got random games from, like, 93, 94, like Wimbledon versus Norwich that I've watched for no reason other than to just watch it and remember the players that were involved. And, you know, then there's hundreds of them. And um, those have been easy to get my hands on. Trying to get games from Syria for that, I don't even know. Like, there's certain resources online where you can get them, but... Other than that, I don't know. Final question for the day then comes from Guy. In Formula One, Fernando Alonso made the wrong team moves at the wrong time. If he did make the right moves, he'd probably be in the F1 GOAT conversation. Who do you think is the football equivalent? Perhaps not a GOAT-level player. But who made bad moves at bad times? Lukaku is my best example. Lukaku, to be fair, would be mine as well. Um, when leaving Everton, the move was Chelsea. He went to United. It was a disaster. Then he went to Inter, played under Conte, who'd obviously been at Chelsea and tried to sign him there, did really well and then made the decision to go back to Chelsea. Now, there was some messing about in that one, but that would be one. Paul Pogba, definitely another. Um, 
I think if Paul if Paul Pogba had signed for Real Madrid when he went back to United the second time, I think we'd talk about Paul Pogba now as as one of the greats. <laughs> um or if he just stayed at Juventus, but if he'd gone to Madrid, I think he would have gone up a level. Neymar, without doubt. Phil Coutinho definitely made the wrong move going to Barcelona. Look, he made a load of money and won a load of trophies, but no one remembers anything of Coutinho's career post-departure from Liverpool. Um, Andrei Shevchenko. The move to Chelsea really did spoil his copybook. You know, he was the best striker in the world with Milan. I don't know that he necessarily wanted to go to Chelsea, but he went and signed a contract. So at the end of the day, it's his own fault. Juan Sebastian Veron, the moves to England. Like, even though he was much better at United than people remember, he was a disaster at Chelsea. The time in England as a whole has really kind of colored people's opinion on him. But he was one of the best midfielders in the world for, for a number of years. Um, Juan Roman Raquelme, the Barcelona move. There was a right move in Europe for him. It just wasn't that one. Um, let me think. Who else? Who else would we more fondly remember? Gaika Mendieta. Now, again, not goat level, but he was one of the best midfielders in Europe when he was leaving. Valencia and unfortunately Lazio when he joined them it was just the wrong time and they had started to break up that title winning team um and it didn't it didn't work well for him um who else has made a really bad move I mean, there's obvious ones like Maguire going to United. You could pretty much look at any player that joined United in recent years. But Maguire was never going to be any more than a good centre-back. He started to show more recently, but I maintain that if John Stones had gone to Chelsea rather than City, he would have become a much better defender than he is now, playing in the middle of a Conte back three. I think he'd be a much better player than he is now. Pep doesn't improve them as defenders. He improves them as footballers. Conte makes some great defenders. Um, But look, it's worked out really well for Stones. Sometimes players just stay somewhere too long. Like Juan Carlos Valeron stayed at Depor too long. I would say Joaquin... Should have moved earlier in his career. I would say... Like, I'm glad he didn't. But if Gerrard had left Liverpool in 06... 05, rather, 05... There would be zero debate about who the best of Gerrard Lampard's goals is. There would be no debate. It would be Gerard, and it would be Gerard by 
a country mile. Gerard is the best of the three. Then it's Skulls. Then it's Lampard. But there would be no debate. Gerard wouldn't even be in that conversation. He'd be on a different level altogether. Had he gone, played for Mourinho, won what I think would potentially have been four or five league titles in a row. I think Mourinho probably stays there longer. It's a real sliding doors moment because if he stays there longer and doesn't go to Inter Milan, Inter probably don't win the European Cup. Then he doesn't go to Real when he went there, which means Pep's run probably lasts a little bit longer. Maybe Pep doesn't leave Barca when he left, meaning he doesn't go to Bayern. He goes somewhere else, maybe two years after, and maybe isn't city manager now. So, you know, it, it's it's funny how things could have that knock-on effect. Um, I'm going to take a break. When we come back, we will do the gossip and we'll be done. See you in a sec. Right, welcome back. So, um, Manchester United defender Will Fish has rejoined Hibs on another season-long loan. PSG have made a bid for Rasmus Hoysland to compete with Manchester United. Uh, Jordan Henderson's move to El Etifak has finally been confirmed. Um... What else do we have? Thomas Hitzelsberger, among many others, have come out and criticised Henderson. His PR campaigns are now exposed. Um, This will be the first season since 1958-59 when Liverpool do not pick a player who had either played with them or under them For Kenny Dalglish. That's pretty cool. Um, Barca beat, sorry, Arsenal beat Barca 5-3 in a friendly game last night. Um, it was 2-2 at halftime when both teams had stronger 11s out. Once the subs happened, it, uh, it meant little. Um, Jordan Henderson lifted every trophy possible to him. No, he didn't. He just didn't. He just didn't. That is just nonsense. The Europa League is a major competition. He didn't lift it. Simple as that. Simon Adingra scored two for Brighton against Brentford last night in a 2-0 win in a friendly. Uh, <laughs> Jason Tindall. <laughs> the Jason Tindall stuff is hilarious. He's just involved in everything. He thinks he is the main character, which is fantastic. Uh, more and more puff pieces. Uh, Brun Larson has joined... Burnley on loan. The Premier League has released play has released on the foot on the pitch footage of last night's game between Aston Villa and Newcastle. Bruno Gamerish wore a camera, and then I think 
Yuri Thielemans wore one as well. Um, Pochettino says Matson is, is in his plans. Says Chelsea to cut their squad numbers down. Newcastle flat fans have called for clarity on ticketing. Eddie Howe says 17-year-old Lewis Miley will not go on loan this season because he's too young. Uh, he said he's delighted to have Nick Pope back. Carl Darlow was set to have a medical at, at Leeds. Uh, Almiron scored for Newcastle uh, in the 1-1 draw against Chelsea. Um, Johnny Evans will remain at Manchester United for the time being. Um, United lost to Rex and now it was a was not a United team that you would recognise, but United lost to Wrexham and that's all we need to take from it. United senior team uh, lost to Real Madrid and Lissandra Martinez made a twat of himself again. Uh, Jude Bellingham played very well and scored a goal. Um, that's p- pretty much what I've got. Uh, final thing to look at then, World C- Women's World Cup. USA and the Netherlands drew 1-1. Portugal beat Vietnam 2-0. And Nigeria came from behind to beat Australia 3-2. So as things stand in Group A, Switzerland top, New Zealand and Philippines joined second on three points. New Zealand have the goal difference advantage. Norway bottom. Uh, Nigeria and Canada top of... Nigeria top of Group B, Canada second, but it's on goal scored, I believe. Then Ar- then Australia and then Ireland are bottom and Ireland have been eliminated, unfortunately. Uh, Spain and Japan are both through from Group C. Costa Rica and Zambia are eliminated. And the rest of the... Oh, sorry, Group E, USA and Netherlands have four points. Portugal have three. Vietnam have none. Uh, group D, we've only had one game. Group F, one game. Group G, one game. And Group H, one game. So, um, that's that. Oh, Spurs have accepted an offer from Spartak Moscow for Davinson Sanchez. But apparently the player isn't all that keen by the move about the move. So, remains to be seen what happens with that one. Gossip. Manchester United have made a verbal offer of €50 million Euro plus €10 million in add-ons for Rasmus Hoysman. That's way below what Atalanta are, are asking. PSG's offer is believed to be the same. Juventus Sporting Director Cristiano Gentuli will travel to England to try and negotiate a loan deal for Romelu Lukaku. Oh, yeah. Lukaku has remained in London while the rest of the Blues squad are in pre-season tour in in the US I I told you they weren't going to get money for him uh, Giantulo if people don't know was behind building the Napoli team that won the league this past season and uh, has now joined Juventus and he seems like he's he's about to spend his next couple of weeks annoying the piss out of Chelsea Kylian Mbappe is not interested in meeting with Al-Halil's representatives over a possible move to Saudi Arabia sources close to negotiations are increasingly convinced Mbappe has agreed terms to join Real Madrid next year. I think everybody knows that that is the case. Chelsea looks set to lose out on Paolo Dybala. I don't think Chelsea were actually in for him. I think that was just media nonsense. 
Uh, West Ham could miss out on Conor Gallagher who wants to stay at Chelsea. They are continuing talks with Southampton over James Ward-Prowse. Yuck. Uh, Al-Halil are at advanced stages to sign Marco Verratti. Verratti going to Saudi at 30. Now he is, he is injury prone. And he's not as good as he was a couple of years ago, but like he can still play. He can still play. Uh, Liverpool and Southampton are about 15 million apart in their valuation of Lavi. That's not true. It's not true. Their offer included add ons. You've listed the base fee, not, not including the add ons. Uh, Liverpool are expected to accept a 40 million offer from Al Itahad for Fabinho after talks restarted. Renato Sanchez is close to a season long loan agreement with Roma. I think that's a good move for him. Aston Villa's hopes of signing Giovanni Lo Celso have been boosted as Napoli are yet to close a deal, but Ange Postacoglu says he wants to keep him, so we'll see. Uh, Rico Lewis has agreed a new five-year contract with Manchester City, while the club will have an option for a further year, and Nathan Aki is also set to sign a new deal. And finally, Everton do not have any desire to sell Dominic Calvert-Lewin, who's been linked to the move to Roma. Roma, of course, have Tammy Abraham, but he tore his ACL and they need a replacement. So there you go. That's it. Talk to you tomorrow. No, I won't talk to you tomorrow. I won't be here tomorrow. I won't be here Monday. Tuesday's iffy. Iffy is the word to use for now. Um, But I'll definitely be here Wednesday. So we'll see about Tuesday. Uh, We'll be back in nostalgia mode when I come back. And, uh, yeah, take care of yourselves. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.